was a, uh, when our kids were little. We have we have three. Can you turn me down just a little bit back there? It, I'm getting a little hot up here. Um, it, when our kids were little, our our second one, which was our first son, uh, when he was about three years old, we lived we moved and we lived in this neighborhood. We didn't know the neighbors yet, you know, because it'd been winter and you know it's the spring. And I'm out. And I'm out cutting the grass in the front yard, and he's got one of those little red and black mowers, you know, that every kid's got, you know, and he doesn't follow you. He would come out in the yard, and he wanted to follow me, you know, and I made him stay enough, you know, because a little worried about the lawn, the mower, you know, throwing stuff out, but he would follow behind me. And, you know, I met every neighbor in the neighborhood that spring cutting the grass because they would either be walking by or driving by and they would stop and they would say that is the cutest thing I've ever I've ever seen and you know it was a good it was a good lesson though because uh, your, your kids follow they follow and you know um, today uh, it is Father's Day and and man I know some of us some folks were blessed with a great dad, great mom. Some weren't. Okay? Some weren't. But, you know, the good news is God can redeem the past. Aren't you thankful for that? You know, He can redeem the past. He can also bless us, though, with a great future. Today, what we're going to see as we as we read this passage and study this, though, is is honestly one way to look at today's passage is the effect that one father can end up having on a whole nation as we've studied first samuel and we're looking at eli and his sons hophni and phineas and 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 it can be a blessing and today unfortunately we're going to see that it's kind of disastrous but the reason the reason i bring that up is i don't want to focus on problem fathers from the past but i just want us to understand that as not only as fathers or mothers but as as followers of jesus the words we say the way we live our lives in front of other people and the example that we set can determine the paths for a whole generation can can affect more lives than we ever will maybe recognize on this side of eternity it's important so uh we're in our series prophet of samuel uh samuel the prophet of israel i want to read the first part of today's passage uh it's in first samuel uh chapter four it's going to be the first 11 verses i'm reading from the new living testament okay um first uh, so it starts out and it says uh samuel words samuel's words went out to all the people of israel okay then it says at that time israel was at war with the philistines the israelite army was camped near ebenezer and the philistines were at aphek the the philistines attacked and were uh, the philistines attacked and defeated the army of israel killing 4000 men so the israelites lost 4000 men after the battle was over the troops retreated to their camp and the elders of israel asked a good question they said why did the lord allow us to be defeated by the philistines then they said let's bring the ark of the covenant of the lord from shiloh if we carry it into battle with us it will save us from our enemies so they sent men to shiloh 
to bring the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord of Heaven's armies who is enthroned between the cherubim. Hophni and Phinehas, the sons of Eli, were also there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. When all of the Israelites saw the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord coming into their camp, their shout of joy was so loud it made the ground shake. That's pretty loud. Think about that. Let's all try to make the ground shake right now. I mean, that's pretty loud, okay? What's going on, the Philistines asked over in their camp. What's all the shouting about in the Hebrew camp? When they were told it was because the ark of the Lord had arrived, they panicked. The gods have come into their camp. This is a disaster. We've never faced anything like this before. Help! Who can save us from these mighty gods of Israel? They are the same gods who destroyed the Egyptians with the plagues when Israel was in the wilderness. Fight as never before, Philistines. If we don't, we will become the Hebrew slaves just as they had become ours. Stand up like men and fight. So the Philistines fought desperately. And Israel was defeated again. The slaughter was great. 30,000 Israelite soldiers died that day. The survivors turned and fled to their tents. The ark of God was captured. And Hophni and Phinehas, the two sons of Eli, were killed. Okay, those first several verses, we see that Israel went out to fight the Philistines. Israel lost 4,000 men. Then they returned to camp. The elders asked, why would God allow this to happen? That's a great question to ask, don't you think? Why would God allow this to happen? Especially considering Scripture never tells us that God either directed them to go fight or sent them into battle. It appears to have been their own idea. Now, Interesting, due to the, you know, the weak and sinful leadership that Israel had at that time because of Eli and his sons, Hophni and Phinehas, Israel had become disconnected from God. Sometimes in our lives, we can arrive at wrong conclusions about the cause of events in our own lives because we haven't taken the time to ask God why things turned out the way they did. Okay, then following their defeat, there's still no indication that they sought God for answers. It says, why did this happen? And then it says, and then they decided they'd go get the ark. They didn't. It doesn't say they prayed. It doesn't say, Lord, what should we do? It doesn't say they involved Samuel. It just says the elders of the land decided that they needed to go get the ark. They answered their own question themselves. So what does it mean to have God in your life? What does that literally mean? To ask God to direct and guide you? Anything else? Talk to him on a daily basis? Yeah. Any other thoughts? 
to read his word, to be a follower. I mean, for us today, it means to be a follower of Jesus, right? That's step one. Okay. But what, you know, here's, think about it for these guys. You know, in, in Proverbs 16, uh, verse 3, and in verse 9 as well, it says, commit your actions to the Lord and your plans will succeed. Verse 9 says we can make plans, but it's God who determines our steps. So, I mean, here are folks who, who made plans, but they didn't ask God, is this right? I mean, think about all the other places in the Bible where the Israelites went to war, but they, but they prayed to God, and God said, yes, go. Or, or do it this way. And, and usually the way he told them to do it would make no sense to the other side. I mean, think about Jericho. He, they, he started out by having to march around the city, you know, with, with trumpets. I mean, you don't normally announce to your enemy that you're, you know, by playing music to them that you're coming. But do you see what I mean? But, but, but they didn't do any of that. They just said, let's go attack them, and it didn't work out. And then they said, well, let's go get the ark. Okay, without seeking God's guidance or consulting with Samuel for direction, the elders decided that they needed to know, they knew what to do, so they sent some men. Didn't pray. They just sent some men uh, to go get the Ark of the Covenant, which was about 20 miles away, which, remember, they had to go by foot. That was a pretty significant deal. They had to go by foot, get it out of Shiloh. But what's really significant, if you were listening when I read the passage, is when they, when they went to get it, they said, if we carry it into battle with us, it will save us. What's wrong with this plan? Absolutely. They, they didn't say, if we can go get the ark of God... God will come, you know, that, you know, God will come. God will save us. I mean, the, does, that, does that make sense to you? I mean, it says it, it, it will save us. Okay, the, the ark, they, they, were, they didn't even seek God. In fact, if you think about what they're trying to do when they say, let's go get the ark because it'll save us if we carry that in, they're trying to manipulate God. They're saying if we bring that, we're kind of like going to haul God into our battle. They were confusing ritual with the spiritual. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Don't, let's put that in today's language. Don't try to figure out all your problems on your own. You ever had some pretty tough problems you tried to figure out on your own? And it didn't work too well? And then you finally thought, oh, maybe I should pray about this? And God all of a sudden gives you wisdom, insight, understanding, opens a new door, and you go, man, I would have never thought of that. And God would probably say, that's because your ways are not my ways. We need God, right? It says, so don't depend on your understanding. Seek his will. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you which path to take. Wow. I want that, don't you? So, okay, so they arrive at Shiloh. They find the ark. Hophni and Phinehas, those two sinful sons of Eli, are there with it, and they take it and they return to Aphek, where the battle is going to be. Verse 5 tells us that when the ark arrived at the Israelite camp, there's this great shout of joy. It was so loud it made the ground shake. 
the folks were so excited, it was like they were excited as if they'd already won the battle. Right? The, the problems, the solution has arrived. All good. Lots to celebrate. Why would the Israelites have been excited when the ark arrived? What would make them excited? It's all good. It's all going to work out. Okay, his presence should, they think his presence is there. But, you know, sometimes if we're not careful, we can, in, we can confuse enthusiasm and faith. Sometimes we can hear a lot of shouting and cheering going on and say, oh, God's moving, and it might just be enthusiasm. Okay? Because, remember, under the weak leadership, this one I'm talking about, here's the poor fathering here, under the weak leadership of Eli and his sinful, corrupt sons, Hophni and Phinehas, the people had moved so far away from God that they didn't even consider if God's presence was there. They just kind of thought the box was all they needed. They didn't need God. They just thought that would do it. They, they thought that if, you know, that's, Think about it. That was the same as all the evil nations around them with their idols. They had just, you said it, they had, they had just become, they just were becoming like that, that they thought the, the ark. They didn't understand it was God's presence that made the difference. And isn't it God's presence that makes a difference in our lives? Israelites were expecting God's blessing, but without any repentance. We've studied over the last several weeks what all the awful things that Hophni and Phinehas were doing. And it, remember in Scripture from previous weeks, it told us that all of Israel knew about it. And yet, in the same way that Eli did nothing to stop his sons, neither did anyone in Israel, apparently. The leaders, the, you know, the, the, the senior, everybody just went along with it. And, you know... It, we, we can't, when we know about sin in our lives and we just ignore it, we can't expect that God's just going to ignore it. But the interesting thing in this situation is think about it. The people, just since they just thought the ark was all they needed, when it shows up, they go, they go start shouting for joy. Right? They think their problems have solved, are solved. At the same time, across the way, over in the Philistine camp, they hear the shouting, and what does it say they did? They were frightened because they had heard the stories of what God had done for the Israelites. They said that in Egypt, when they were in Egypt, when they heard that it arrived, they were frightened beyond belief. And they knew that if they didn't fight with everything they had, they would be conquered. That's what they believed would be true. But so think about what's going on here. So the Israelites were confident without reason. They were overconfident. They were confident without reason, while the Philistines were worried without need. 
So the battle commences. The Philistines, it says, fought desperately. They fought desperately. And the Israelites fought overconfidently. Only in their own strength. They fought without God's help, without God's presence. Never says they even asked for it. They just had the box. The result was they lost 30,000 soldiers. The ark was captured and taken away, and Hophni and Phinehas were killed. Now, that's, a, that's an answer to the prophetic word, remember, from a couple weeks ago when, okay, the, the prophet came to see Eli. Okay, obviously, uh, God was not in the lives of the Israelites. They, they had, were, had no part with him there because they never sought him. They, they didn't in, in any way. Okay, so let's go and let's read the rest of this passage. Uh, 1 Samuel 4, we'll read verses 12 through 22. It says that a man from the tribe of Benjamin ran from the battlefield and arrived at Shiloh later that same day. He had torn clothes and put dust on his head to show his grief. Eli was waiting beside the road to hear the news of the battle, for his heart trembled for the safety of the ark of God. When the messenger arrived and told what had happened, an outcry resounded within the town. What's all the noise about, Eli asked. The messenger rushed over to Eli, who was 98 years old and blind. He said to Eli, I have just come from the battlefield this very day. What happened, my son, Eli demanded. Israel has been defeated by the Philistines, the, the messenger replied. The people have been slaughtered, and your two sons, Hophni and Phinehas, were also killed. And the ark of God was captured. When the messenger mentioned what had happened to the ark of God, Eli fell backward in his seat beside the gate. He broke his neck and died, for he was old and overweight. He had been God's judge, Israel's judge, for 40 years. Now get this. Eli's daughter-in-law, the wife of Phinehas, was pregnant and near the time of delivery. When she heard that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were both dead, she went into labor and gave birth. She died in childbirth, but before she passed away, the midwives tried to encourage her. Don't be afraid, they said. You have a baby boy. But she did not answer or pay attention to them. She named the child Ichabod, which means, where is the glory? For she said, Israel's glory is gone. And she named him this because the ark of God had been captured and because her father-in-law and her husband was dead. Then she said, the glory has departed from Israel, for the ark of God has been captured. After the battle, this messenger runs. He comes to see Eli, reports the outcome, tells him the Israelites have been defeated, heavy losses, Hophni and Phinehas have been killed, the ark has been captured. Eli showed no response when he heard about his two sons being killed because he had already been told that would happen. His response, his reaction, though, was when he heard about the Ark of the Covenant, when he heard about the Ark of God. He fell backwards and broke his neck. And then we heard what happened with, with, with Phineas's wife. You know, 
I don't know about you, but when I read through this and, and, I, and I thought about this, the other thing I can say is this was a needlessly sad event in Israel's history. Think about it. None of this had to happen now. It came about because of a weak father, Eli, who had never properly trained or disciplined his two sons, who allowed them to abuse the people to whom they had been entrusted to be ministers to. The result became a nation that turned away from God. They didn't even think to seek God in their daily lives, much less when they were making major decisions like to go into battle. So I think the, today's passage is one of those that ought to be, um, it, it kind of leads us to a very simple reality, okay? And that is that you and I desperately, desperately need God in our lives. So how do we do that? How do we have God in our lives? That's the question, right? How can I get, how can I have God in my life? Well, the first thing is to trust God. You need to turn to God. We need to turn to God. Now, I know that can sound very simple and straightforward, but let's think about this. God's presence is not just a good idea. It's a necessity. But we don't want to confuse turning to God with turning to traditions. If we're not careful, we can find ourselves turning to traditions and rituals and symbols of faith, but not actually faith. Without God's presence, and I don't mean this in any disrespectful way at all, but the truth of it is, without God's presence, the Ark of the Covenant was just a box. God had directed its creation, but I mean, it, it was God's presence that was important. And, and, you know, it's kind of like when we come to church. If, if we want, we could come to church here on Sunday morning and never experience the power of God here. Because at the end of the day, this is just a building. But when we're here and we, and we trust God and we seek God and we press into God and we worship God and we, and we call on his name and it says, and when we lift him high with our praises, God's presence inhabits the, the, the praise of his people. And so it's what we want to do in our life is we want to have the presence of God with us and not just the symbols of God. There's only one way to God for you and me, and that's through Jesus. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So if you want to have the Father in your life, the only way is through faith in Jesus. So we need to turn to God and realize that there's only one, one solution to the challenges that we have, and that's it. The second thing is we need to repent of our sins. I know that's not culturally very popular these days, <laughs> Repentance is not, you know, a topic you're going to hear much, okay? But it's the truth. Think about it. With the people of Israel, they, they watched sin happening right in front of them. And they did nothing about it. And it never says that Hophni and Phinehas repented. It never says that the people repented of it. We, we need to confess to God, first, that we're helpless without him, 
But then if we're living in ways or we're doing things that are contrary to God's word, we need to stop. And we need to confess those things to God. We need to repent, which means to turn from them, the meaning of repentance. And we need to ask God for forgiveness. Then we have the possibility to then not live that way any longer. Reality is you and I cannot knowingly hold on to sinful behavior and have a relationship with God at the same time. The two just won't, won't work. We don't want to treat God's word or his commands with contempt. We don't want to ignore them. And one of the things we can't do, and this is very tempting, is we can't pick and choose. You know, I, I, I like God's word except for this one part right here. We, there's no place in scripture that it tells us that, you know, pick, you know, pick any five out of the ten. You know, or pick the ones you like and then come around to the others later. It, it, God's word is complete and whole. And, it's, and he gave it to us not because he wants us to have a bad life or a restricted life. It's because he wants us to have a great life, a full life, and a rich life. And so everything that's in God's word is to, is to give us the best life we could possibly have. Not the smallest one, but the biggest one. But we just don't pick and choose. And, you know, and this is something, I don't know if you've ever struggled with this, but I just, you know, let's, I'm just want to speaking to myself here too, okay? What we got to make sure we don't do in life, because this is kind of the way the culture is. You know, our culture we live in today, there's not a lot of respect for anything, right? Or anyone. And so if we're not careful, we can lose our reverence for God. We, you know, the Bible talks about the fear of the Lord. I mean, fear isn't f like f I'm afraid. It's reverence. It's recognizing that, you know, there used to be a bumper sticker, you know, that said, God is my co-pilot. Dude, that's wrong. <laughs> God is not your co-pilot. And, and he loves you, but he's not your friend. I mean, he's not your buddy. You know what I mean? He, he is God. Right? I mean, and I don't want God to be my co-pilot. If he's anything, I want him to be the pilot. <laughs> you, know, you know, I'll sit in the second chair. You know what I mean? We, that's, if you're going to go with that, I want to reverse the seats, okay? But, but I mean, I, I just think it's important for us. And, and how you do that, how you choose to hold that reverence for God, you'll, you'll have to... You know, where does that come for you? Well, it, at least for me, that comes in taking some time to sit and read his word. I mean, now, I've, I'll, I'm sure we've all had times in our life where, you know, you're really busy, and you say, well, I'm going to read God's word, and so you read it for about five minutes, and then you get through it, and you kind of go, I don't really even remember what I read. But I did it. And off you go. Sometimes we got to just slow down, take a minute, and allow God, and not only read God's word, but, like, some time for him to speak to us. Okay. There are times we need to pray without it just being our list of what I want him to do for me today. We need to pray and, and say, God, what do you want to say to me? And then wait until he tells you something. Wait until he puts something in your spirit. I think sometimes we need to show our reverence for God by even on Sunday morning is 
Am I willing to praise his name? Am I willing to worship him in song? You know, it, it's not because what happens up here earlier is not a show. This was not a performance. This is an opportunity to invite us in to worship God and to show him our love and, and be reverent before him. And so it, there are those moments, and we just don't want to miss them. And so I, I just want to encourage us to regain, if we need to, our reverence for God and then repent of our sins. And then finally, we need to pray. We need to pray. We need, we need to read the Bible, God's Word, and we need to ask God to guide our steps. Uh, but, and, and then we need to live it. We need to follow God's Word because God blesses us in our obedience. So, we don't want to live in our own strength. We can start to feel really smart and capable sometimes. Usually that's when I get off track. Because, right? Because we start to think I'm handling this pretty well, and then all of a sudden the wheels are falling off. And, and, and so what we need to do is we need to live Learn to live with a healthy reliance on God. Start the deal with prayer. Don't come around to prayer when the, the wheels are falling off the wagon. That's a hard lesson to learn. Anybody else had, I've had, that's taken me time to learn that, okay? That is, is trying to start with prayer. And then, again, kind of back to the Father's Day thing, is develop a trusting confidence in God. A trusting confidence in God because you can trust him because unfortunately for those who did not have a good father example growing up, God is a good father. He is a good father and he is trustworthy and he is loving and he is dependable and he will never do anything to hurt you. He will never forget about you or forsake you because he loves you so much he gave his son to die for you. And then finally, in, in that prayer and in that building that relationship, invite the Holy Spirit to fill you with everything that God's got for you. You know, the most amazing thing in our lives, right, is that when, when we are a follower of God and we, and we seek him and like, God, what do you want me to do? What are the plans you have for me? And we follow those plans. God then, the Holy Spirit comes and he actually makes it all work out. I mean, think about, and I mean, what does that mean, right? Practical sense. It means all of a sudden you've applied for a job and it doesn't seem like you'll get it. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the door opens and you've got the job. It means relationships that were totally broken and you think, how will I ever get this back on track with this relative, this kid, this friend, this coworker? You trust God and you're trying to follow because you're doing what God's word says. And all of a sudden, that relationship starts to be mended out of ways you couldn't have even thought about. Look, the power of God, I mean, it is so great and so vast, and God has got resources that you and I honestly cannot fathom. 
I don't just mean he's got more money than you do. You know what I mean? Or more, you know, you know what I mean? I mean, I you know what I mean? I could tell you, you know. Well, God's got yeah, He does. Okay, but but it's so much more than that, because what what you and I can't do, we can't change hearts, but God can. God God can change other people's hearts in ways that will are miraculous are incredible and so it can change the course of your life think about how different the the life of the people we read about today the israelites think of all the lives that would have been saved think about the chain the ark of the covenant would not have been lost had had the people had there been a, fa- a father that was trustworthy who had followed the in proverbs where it says raise a child up in the way he should go when he's old will not depart from it had done that Hophni and Phineas would have been good good priests the people would not have turned away from God all those lives could have been saved you and I in our in our lives fathers mothers just followers of Jesus we have the impact to it can change the destiny of a family can change the destiny of a community can change the destiny of a workplace it can change the destiny of the country and of the world you never know how far your reach may go one day because you never know who that person you're touching may turn out to be or who or who they will end up sharing their faith with so we have that opportunity. So for, let's stand up as we get ready to close, okay? The only way that you and I can really, if we say, well, I want to live my life that's, so it's pleasing to God. I want to live my life and make, and make, you know, I want God in my life. We can only do that by becoming followers of Jesus and by entrusting our life to him. So with everybody, you know, heads bowed, eyes closed, like if you're ready to say today, I want to put my faith in Jesus. Okay, and even if I have at some point in the past in one way or another today, what I also want to really make sure I do is I want to set aside religious traditions. I want to set aside uh, rituals and symbols of faith. I want to I want to focus on Jesus because it's Jesus that is the only thing that matters in my life. He is the source of my salvation and and not the symbols of his sacrifice it's him so if you'd say yeah i need to do that today i want to set those aside and put my focus my trust and my faith solely on jesus that's you just raise your hand thank you thank you you can put them down now just one other thing is an opportunity for a little bit of healing no matter who you are no matter your age no matter if you had a you know maybe you had a poor father it's never too late i want to give you an opportunity if you did not have a good father, I want to give you the opportunity right now to forgive him. He may already be gone, but I want, you, I want to give you an opportunity to forgive him and release him to God. And then ask God, who is a good father, to be your father and to heal you from the past. If that's you, raise your hand. Okay, Lord, today, you have seen our hands you know our hearts. God, today we 
We want to put our faith in you. We want to be followers of you. We want you in our lives, Lord, because we need you desperately. And Lord, at the same time, I want to thank you, Father, for everyone who's raised a hand for healing from the past. Lord, in Jesus' name, I just pray, Father, that you would begin that healing today. Lord, in forgiving those who have hurt us, Lord, what... We know there's a healing process, but Father, it's like in forgiving them, it's like we've pulled the knife out of the wound. It can start to heal now. And so, Lord, I just pray that you would begin that healing process and that you would father, become the father to those who need a father, Lord, a good father, a trustworthy father, and a loving father. We want to thank you, Lord, for what you're going to do in each of our lives as we follow you. In Jesus' name. Now, may the peace of God himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He is faithful and he will surely do it. Amen. Amen.